Thanksgiving week. Yes, yes it is. Yes, indeed. Looking forward to Thanksgiving this uh, week. Get to go visit some family. Y'all pray. I know a lot of you will be traveling. We'll be traveling also. We'll actually be heading out tomorrow, uh, Thanksgiving with my mom. And uh, my brother will be coming into town, so we're looking forward to that. I know you'll be getting together with your family and friends. Then we'll head, Lord willing, to Asheville later in the week. Spend some time with Allison's folks. So covet your prayers on our road trip and travel time. Um, and we'll be praying for you as well as you're traveling wherever you may be headed to. Um, but get back here soon. We'll, uh, Lord willing, uh, get back together. Love my church family. Always miss you guys when we're away. And uh, speaking of church family, it's good to have some folks back with us. Uh, I think it's like a Hibbit reunion going on here today. We've got uh, the Watsons, who it's good to see them back with us. And also, we've got the O'Hara's back with us. So let's welcome them all back. And look, there's Mark Stevens. Let's give him a hand. Yeah. Good to have him and Melissa with us, too. So you never know what's going to happen here. That's a, anyway, it is truly good to have y'all with us and others visiting with us. Uh, thank y'all for being here today. It's a good place to be. Community is a great place to be. And uh, thank you for being with us today. Speaking of Thanksgiving, it is Thanksgiving. Um, and so got to got to start, got to start, just got to do it. Uh, a couple of Thanksgiving funnies. Yes, I know Zach would appreciate that. You know why a church does not do Thanksgiving. Churches should not do Thanksgiving. It's foul language. Just, just. Okay, I got one more and I'm done, I promise. One more. Well, maybe not shouldn't promise because you never know what's going to Thank you, sir. Thank you. Why did the pilgrim's pants keep falling down? Because their belt buckles were on their hat. <laughs> I mean, anyway, sorry, that's it. That's all I got for you. That's all I got for you. It's a good thing I'm moving on. Go to the Bible. That's where we need to be. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And we are here for a while. I was telling somebody the other day, I really had intention to just sort of... Because the writer, here's what you need to know. Because we get these devotionals a lot of times and we get these ideas of the hall of faith and the heroes of the faith and, and there's these individuals and... You know, and, and so we spend a lot of time, and a lot of times it's just out of context. The reality is, all of these heroes of the faith, in the context of the letter of Hebrews, is simply an illustration. I mean, you guys have been trying to make a point sometime before. You've been maybe reasoning with somebody, talking to somebody, and you say, uh, okay, let me, let me give you an illustration. And you give an illustration. And normally an illustration is brief, but in this case... This writer, uh, this is why I like, and I think it might be Paul, I, I like this writer because he has an extended illustration. And so every one of these lives that are mentioned here, the heroes of the faith, are an illustration of what he's already talked about. So what has he already talked about? Hold your spot there in 11. Look back in verse 38 of chapter 10. Here's what he's trying to illustrate. Now the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39. 
But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And then he goes into this by faith, by faith, by faith. So all of these by faith comments, as you go through chapter 11, and I encourage you, circle those if you've not done that yet. By faith, by faith, all the way down. He is illustrating this fact. The just live by faith. You don't see it. It's not there. You don't know where it's coming from. But you trust in the one who is leading. You trust in the promises that God has given. And in the context of the Hebrews letter, he's been making this argument. He's saying to those people, those Jewish, predominantly Jewish audience at that time, I know you want to go back into what you know, what you can see, what you're familiar with. You want to go back into the Old Testament sacrifices and that temple practice, and and you want to hold on to those things. But guys, those were simply types. Those were simply shadows. Those things were pointing you to the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come. That was the Old Covenant. He has offered a new covenant. He's offered you a new covenant. He has fulfilled the law. It is done. It is finished. Put your faith and trust in Him and follow Him. And they're struggling. They're on the fence. But I don't know. I just, I just. And he's saying, look, lay it aside. Jesus has fulfilled it. It's finished. Don't be like those, and he's given examples in the first 10 chapters of people who drew back. You know, he talked about those 12 spies and 10 of them drew back. Only two believed. Yeah, we can take these guys. Let's get them. God promised. God said, we've got this. Ten of them said, no, dude, that's not very smart. We can't do that. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. They never entered into the rest because they doubted. They didn't believe. They didn't trust. They did not obey. And so, the writer is saying... Look, don't be like those who shrink back. Be those who persevere in their faith. Even though it may not look like things are where they should be or how they should be, if God has promised, and in this case the context is He promised you a Messiah, He promised someone would come, He promised someone would remove your sins as far as the east is from the west, and you can have confidence in Him keeping His Word. And so all of these Old Testament people that are listed in Hebrews 11 were people who had been made the promise, but had not fully received the promise. Because Jesus had not come in their life. They lived by faith, and they died in their faith. The reality is most of you will live by faith and die in your faith. Never seeing the full return of Christ um, upon this earth. The ushering in of His millennial reign. Paradise lost, being paradise restored. The reality is, some of us may not see that day. Now, the reality is also that the Lord could return today. 
And so how then shall we live? Well, the just live by faith, trusting, obeying the promises of God. That's what the writer is saying. He's trying to reason, but specifically here he's talking about, hey guys, Jesus has come. Remember all those old temple sacrifices? Remember what they pointed to? They pointed to Jesus. Trust in Christ. And so he gives them this illustration, and he's saying by the illustration of these people, don't shrink back. Church, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your struggle is in your crossroad of life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where God's got his finger on your area of doubt, your area of concern. Whatever it is, can I encourage you this morning, trust God with it, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what may come. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Our faith is in Christ, in Christ alone. Our outline here, and we've talked about this, we looked at verse 1, what faith is, we looked at what faith does, and now we're in the section of what faith looks like. And so in the lives of these individuals, this is what faith looks like. Lived out, where the rubber meets the road, examples. And as you go through, and I encourage you to continue to look at these characters in more detail, because we're still just sort of doing a brush over, an overview of these characters, but you will find that you can relate to a lot of some of these. And so this is what faith looks like. Remember we talked about uh, Abel, and we also looked at already Enoch, and uh, we talked about Noah. And so now we find ourselves in the life of Abraham, the largest section in chapter 11. So let's go there and let's focus on the Word of God in verses 8 through 19. By faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, the first thing I want us to look at in the life of Abraham is that Abraham went out by faith. He obeyed. Point one, Abraham obeyed. Guys, if we're going to do anything for the cause of Christ, if we're going to live out our life, no matter what our circumstances are, we have to obey what God has said. Think about this passage. And the thing that's common in all of these situations is there's a foundational understanding that they're responding to the Word of God. God has spoken, and they are listening, and they are obeying. In this case, Abraham, who was Abram at the time, he was living as a pagan amongst a bunch of pagans, and God called him. God spoke to him and says, Come out from them, and I'm going to lead you into a land that you know not. Now, how many of us, if we're honest, <laughs> so let me get this right. So you want me to get all of my family, all of my stuff, we'll pack it up and hit the road, Jack, and not have any clue where we're headed. Yes. Okay. 
That makes absolutely no sense. And you know what? It doesn't from a worldly perspective. But do you know sometimes God calls us to a place that makes no sense in the eyes of our friends or family or in the world around us, but God calls us to take a step of faith. You guys have heard my story. Most of you have. Many of you haven't. But this, this is what we call... I've, I've had a few Abraham moments in my life, and, and this is one of them. I just did not have a peace. I felt like the Lord was calling us out of the youth ministry we were in. And at the time, I, 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 I just couldn't put my finger on it, but I, I just knew that there was this leading and a door of opportunity presented itself. It was a green light. Door was open. Green light says go. Door open means walk through it. So we took a step of faith. And this was a potential position at a large ministry down in Florida. Went down, met the folks. Great visit. Green lights. They flew folks up, sat in, interviewed, listened to my teaching. Green lights, go. We had put our house up for sale at the time because we were thinking of uh, some changes in our own life and financial decisions and things of that nature. We're consolidating and doing some things a little different. We got an offer on our house to sell our house. Green light, go. We ended up doing an auction because we had one weekend left to go visit this family and they were going to vote. This church was going to vote whether or not we should come and be their associate pastor, youth pastor. So we decided, you know what, let's sell everything. We had a big auction, sold everything. We went down. First night, met all the deacons and their wives. Great. Next day, met all the youth and their families. It was awesome. Sunday morning, went in. I shared my testimony. Uh, it was a great service. Everything, just the folks, wonderful. And we sat in an interview process for about three hours. Me on the hot seat. 700 people taking turns asking questions. And then the door slammed shut. There was a lot of strife and division and there were these red flags and warnings that were just sounding in my heart and in my mind and my wife's sitting out there and I know she's praying hard because her husband's on this hot seat and trying prayerfully to answer these questions but you can tell these people are not in agreement with each other and they're having a 20 minute fuss back and forth and I'm just watching. We went back to our place and we hit the floor and we called a couple of people that we trusted in prayer and we prayed and we prayed and we went back that evening and we didn't tell anyone but God. And I don't recommend this, though this is what I did. I'm just telling you what I did. God works in spite of what we do. Do y'all know that? Did you know that God actually works in spite of when we mess up and do stupid things or try to put Him in a box or, or try to shut Him out of the box? But in this case, yes, it was an amen to that because we ask, God, please, if this is not where you want us to go, we have got to know clearly. If this is where you want us to be, we've got to know clearly. We've abandoned everything. We want to be here. We want to serve you, but we want to be where you want us to be, not where we want to be. If I don't see 90% on this vote, I will not take it, and I will take that at your hand. That evening... 
they voted and they called me out front and they said, congratulations, we'd like to call you to be our next youth pastor. And the crowd was clapping and I said, can I ask you what, the, what, what was the percentage? What was the vote? And they asked a the guy down the front and he crunched the numbers and he said it was 89.9 or 80.89. It was 89 point something. Now I could have rounded it up and said, okay, we'll take it, you know. And I remember I had to share reluctantly, but I said, uh, you guys have been wonderful. I, I need to take some time tonight and talk to my wife, and we need to think about this before I fully accept this offer. And you could just hear <gasps> sort of a wind sucked out of the place. And it was like, oh, the last thing I want to do is hurt these people. But you know what? God made it clear that was not where he wanted us to be. Now, I didn't know that then, but now I can look back on it and see clearly it was God's will that we not accept that. And we came in, I came in the next day and I told the pastor, I, I can't, it's just not God's will. This is not God's will for your church, for these people, and it's not for my family. And we returned to Salisbury with a house sold, completely empty. All of our stuff was gone. And we lived in a hotel for two, three days. And I had to go to the courthouse to sign the papers to finalize the sale of our house. And I don't know, two kids at the time, I think, or we three were pregnant with third or something like that. <laughs> you know how the Varners are. They just keep putting those kids out there. <laughs> Y'all pray, maybe number five. No, <laughs> be thankful. <laughs> we're on the same page. No, hey, we're going to get to Sarah in a second. You're never too old. Let's just go there, right? All right, All right so anyway. We show up at the courthouse to sign the papers. The lady who bought the house got cold feet and said she just didn't think she could do it, and she backed out. We got our house back. Now, we lived on lawn furniture for about a month or two. But it's all right, guys. And can I tell you, the reason why I'm able to recall that story, because it was one of the most vibrant, it was one of the most awesome experiences. My wife's probably saying, nah, maybe for you. But, but I mean, there, for our faith, though, it was an awesome experience because it strengthened us. It let us know that, you know what? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is leading us and we walk in obedience, it's okay, guys. It's going to be all right. And so we look at the life of Abraham and we hear about a man who's called out and he leaves this pagan world behind him and he is the, the father of many nations and we look at what God has promised him. Let's take a look at what God has promised him. Everybody go to Genesis 12. Hold your spot here. Let's go to Genesis 12. Is it hot in here or is this just... Whew. It's a little warm, man. Yes, I see some heads nodding and sweating. Maybe somebody could kick on a little AC because the sermon's going to get even hotter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Now, the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country from your family. Oh, that always goes over well, too. So he's leaving some of his family, taking some of them. <laughs> some of us know that's never, never that easy. Of course, at Thanksgiving, sometimes it's easy to get away from your family. But anyway. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, 
And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, senior saints, by the way, I heard y'all had a good time last night at Golden Corral. That's good to hear. I was glad y'all made it out. That's nice. That's good stuff. But seniors, you're never too old to step out on faith. God gives you a promise. He's challenging you to do something. He's leading you to do something. Trust Him. Young person, when God's leading, God has given you His word, we must trust and obey. Abraham obeyed. I wonder how different our lives would look if we just obeyed what God is asking of us. How would mine and your prayer life look if we just obeyed God and getting alone in our prayer closet and asking Him things in private and seeing Him answer openly? I wonder if we obeyed God at His word when He said, go and make disciples. If we as believers actually took God at His word, listened and obeyed, and actually went out purposefully through our day, from the moment we wake up in the morning, to actually be intentional about, okay God, who today do you want me to minister to, to talk to? Because I can assure you they're out there. Go. Preach the gospel. When's the last time you shared the gospel? When's really the last time you opened your mouth and, and, and engaged someone with the life-transforming soul-saving gospel. What would our church ministry look like if every one of us were active in sharing the gospel with people around us? taking time to pour our lives in discipleship, in making disciples. That idea is just doing life together. Are you doing life with others centered around the things of God? I mean, it doesn't have to be a curriculum or structure necessarily, though that may help. But investing your life and your time into another for the sake of the gospel. What would our giving look like if we actually believed God and took Him at His word and obeyed in the first fruits of our labor we gave to Him? 
instead of waiting to the end of the paycheck after we've paid all the bills and we've done all this with our money that, that we want to do, and now we just sort of give the scraps, the leftover, to God. What if we actually took him in his word and said, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how we're going to do this. Because on paper, it doesn't look like it's going to work. But you know what? When has God ever functioned in that way? The just live by faith. Personal story. My wife and I went through Bible college. We never actually got a good discipleship course and training on giving. I was a youth pastor working. And I was simply giving what I had left. And there wasn't much left as a youth pastor. Ask Nate. He could tell you, right? I mean, youth pastors, we just do everything and, you know, and get this. But... We came to a point, we read a book that actually stirred our heart to look at the book and the promises of God, and the verse that leaped off the page was Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. These things will be added unto you. What things were though? He was saying, Jeremy, in that moment, he was speaking to my heart and my life, and he's saying to me and my wife and my family, the Varners, Varners, if you pursue me and my righteousness first above all things, I will provide your clothing, your food, and a roof over your head. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to have the fanciest house in this town. doesn't mean that we're going to get the material goods and the name brands. Well, we try to find them at the thrift store. I'm just saying. doesn't mean you're going to get all those things the world has to offer. But what it does mean is that God will meet our need. And I can tell you He has always met the Varner's needs. Some of you say, yes, we can stand to do without a little. Probably so. But He has provided. I actually dared to believe Him. I actually dared to trust Him with my life. And He's never let me down. Obedience. What would our lives look like if we just obeyed. Abraham was such an example of a man of faith. And by faith, this is what we saw in his life. You notice here also, not only did he obey, notice in verse 9, by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which was foundations, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Point two is he dwelt. as a foreigner. This week is Thanksgiving. And I want you to think about the lives of those pilgrims. Right? Because that's the idea here. The idea here in this text is that you and I, Abraham, was an example. He's a pilgrim. Listen to what William Bradford, the governor of Plymouth Colony, had to say. 
to all you pilgrims, inasmuch as the great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams. And inasmuch as He has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now... I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and little ones do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th of the year of our Lord, 1623 and third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye pilgrim rock there to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for all His blessings. When's the last time you reviewed the story of those who landed at Plymouth Rock? And the suffering that they endured, the hardship and the death and the loss of loved ones and, and those who, who, who traveled across the ocean and the sea and, 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 and all those things to, to lose their children and family and friends. And yet, only a few years deep, we see them recognizing and glorifying and praising God. God is faithful. He's proven Himself faithful. And He calls you and I to obey Him. And He calls you and I to be different in the land in which we live. He has called us to be pilgrims. You know, we think of the first American Thanksgiving, and it didn't really occur in 1621, as some would have us believe, when a group of pilgrims shared a feast with a group of friendly Indians. The first recorded Thanksgiving took place in Virginia more than 11 years earlier. And it wasn't a feast. The winter of 1610 at Jamestown had reduced a group of 409 settlers to 60. 409 to 60. The survivors prayed for help without knowing when or how it might come. When help arrived in the form of a ship filled with food and supplies from England, a prayer meeting was held to give thanks to God. Today in the Word, July 1990, page 22. Gang, this is not our home. Abraham knew it wasn't his home. Think about this. Abraham was a very wealthy, rich man. But what did he do when he walked by faith and went to the land in which God called him to? The text says he lived in tents. What does that imply? It implies that he recognizes that this was not his home. He could have had the fanciest of homes. He could have built a dwelling place, but he dwelt in tents. He recognized this was temporary, and his treasures were yet to come. He was waiting on the foundation, a city whose foundation is built by God. Notice what it says. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents and with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker 
is God. Guys, do you believe this? Do you believe God? Do you take Him at His word? Do you understand? This is not our home. These are temporary dwellings that we're in. We're just passing through, man. Don't get too comfortable. Do you know the only plot that he owned was the burial ground of his wife, Sarah? Their burial plots is the only thing in the promised land because he knew that wasn't really the fulfillment of God's promise. You see, there's a culmination of things that we're still hoping for. We're still waiting on. And that's my third point. We obey, we dwell, but we also hope. We hope not as in, well, I hope. Hope it don't rain tomorrow. It's not that kind of hope. Our hope is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. But it's as sure as done. Because God has said it. It's history. It's history. It's His story. And it will be fulfilled. It will be done. And so therefore, we should move forward on our journey as pilgrims in this land knowing full well God will provide. God will fulfill His word. God's grace is sufficient. His promises cannot be broken. His promises cannot be broken. Abraham knew this. And so Abraham obeyed. He took a step of faith. He recognized this is not his home. And so his faith was put into action by what he did, by how he lived. And yet he looked and hoped for the Lord's return. Somebody once said, don't tell God how big your storm is. Tell the storm how big your God is. That's good, isn't it? I don't know what you're facing. I don't know where your struggle of faith is. I don't know where you're, you're having a hard time believing and trusting in what God can and cannot do, what God will or will not do. But I know this. He has given believers certain promises. And if we'll actually take God at His word and trust Him, He will prove Himself faithful time and time and time again. Faith isn't believing without proof. It's trusting without reservation. William Sloan Coffin said, Faith isn't believing without proof. It's trusting without reservation. We have proof. We have the life of Abraham. We have the life of Enoch. We have the life of Noah. We have the great heroes of the faith. And the writer is saying to those people in that time period, saying, Look, they didn't yet receive the promise of the Messiah. The Messiah has now come. You know this. You've got greater evidence and, and your faith, therefore, should be even stronger than these guys. But these guys, not yet seeing the fulfillment of the promises, still walk by faith. 
The just have always lived by faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. And even today, New Testament believer, we read this passage of Scripture and it's written to us in the same way. That we also, as the just, must live by faith. Looking forward to a coming city. You know, the book of Revelation speaks of this new Jerusalem coming. It speaks of this city that we hope and we long for. And just as what God promised to Abraham, He fulfilled in the person of Christ coming, we too, they looked forward to Christ coming, we look back at Christ coming, but we also recognize that one day we all will join in that new Jerusalem. We one day will enter into the full rest of the promise. We will all as one celebrate, rejoice the ultimate thanksgiving in the presence of God for eternity. So as we close today, I want us to think about this as we enter into Thanksgiving week. Church, we have much to be thankful for. Much to be thankful for. And yet, with that said, I know we struggle in our walk and we struggle with our faith from day to day and time to time and circumstance to circumstance. But will you hear the Word of God? God's made clear in His Word. He will never leave you and He will never forsake you if you belong to Him. He has promised you, believer, that all things, all things work together for good, for those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. So your circumstances look pretty cruddy right now, huh? Trusting God. So, so your situation is, is kind of bleak. Obey. Trust. Walk by faith, not by sight. Let God do something amazing in your situation. And you know what? If the wheels come off and it falls apart and He slays you, praise Him! He's God! He's worthy! He's worthy of our praise. The following letter was found in an old can wire to the handle of an old pump that offered the only hope of drinking water on a very long and seldom used trail across the Nevada desert. This pump is all right, the letter read. This water pump out in the middle of this vast desert, out in the middle of nowhere, this pump is all right. I put a new sucker washer into it, the letter reads, and it ought to last Another five years. But the washer dries out and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and corked the end up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour in the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The wells never run dry. Have faith. When you get water, when you get watered up, fill the bottle 
and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it and you'll get all you can hold. Now imagine you're that traveler. Are you going to believe the author? You're out in the middle of the desert. Man, you're thirsty. Man, my lips are parched. My skin is dried. I just need something to drink. There's the water bottle. I could just get a little sweet swig. Or I could trust what the letter says and I could prime that pump and next thing you know it, it's going to spew water like you've never seen before. And I could, man, I'll even bathe in it. Well, unless it's Saturday, I could do it. Okay. Some of you got that. Thank you. It's a story. It's an illustration. Imagine the man in the story, as the story does go, he believed the writer, and he did what he said, and he got an abundance of water. Guys, can I tell you something? This is no illustration. This is truth. Jesus Christ offers a wellspring of water. If you will simply obey Him and take Him at His word, exercise faith in His promises, what He's written to you, you will experience abundant, overflowing water and your vat can't hold it. He'll satisfy your thirst. He'll meet your need. Not your want. Let's don't confuse them. We do sometimes. And I look, we're all guilty of that. I understand that. But sometimes we simply need to exercise a little faith and take God at His word. Believe His promises. Abraham was such an example. He did that. Didn't know where he was headed, but he knew who was leading him there. John Ortberg made this statement. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Let me say that again. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Guys, we can continue living a mediocre Christian life or we can, we can press forward in faith and live an abundant life. Jesus Christ has promised us an abundant life. I encourage us all this week in Thanksgiving, let's not get distracted. But let's return praise and thanksgiving to a God who has given us abundant living in Christ Jesus. Let's exercise our faith and obey His word. And let's dwell a little different in the day and land in which we live. Waiting for His return. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. 
Thank you, Lord, for your truth that's never changing. Lord, it, it, it speaks to us in our situations, our circumstances. There are promises that are in your word that you call us to anchor our life to. And in certain moments of life, it just seems to leap off the page. Lord, I pray that something that's said or shared today would leap from the conversation to the heart of a listener that is applied by the Holy Spirit to give hope, to help them not look at their circumstances or to look at simply what can be seen, but Lord, that you would stir the heart to move in faith, to trust and obey. Abraham's story goes on and tells us that he was willing to offer his own son in sacrifice because he believed God would provide, that God had the ability and would even raise his own son from the dead if he should have to do so. That's a faith like I've never seen or could understand, but Lord, it's, it's there as an example for us. Lord, help us to be men and women of strong faith because of who you are. Not because of our abilities or lack of ability, but because of who you are. And we will give you alone the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.